Homefieldapparel.com, your home for all of your vintage collegiate apparel needs. It is officially hoodie season, and the super soft hoodies and crewnecks at Homefield are by far the highest quality, best-looking hoodie season companions on the market. And to make sure that you remain adequately cozy through the season, Homefield is offering a 20% off the entire site Black Friday sale with the code Black Friday, valid from November 18th through November 27th. All Pac-12 schools except Oregon and Stanford have gorgeous collections. The Beavlet collection is my personal favorite. And if you're just looking to troll your favorite Oregon fan, they also have a great UCI shirt that is one of their best sellers. Make sure to get your orders in early as items are subject to sell out, and this is the biggest discount Homefield offers all year. Once again, that is code Black Friday, all one word, for 20% off the entire site from November 18th through the 27th at homefieldapparel.com. Many thanks to The Good Brand for fulfilling our holiday consumerism buckets. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos. Joining me, as always, is Greg at Bananamorphs. I'm sad. <laughs> and Matt at No Pit Stops grow up it's a football game but i am in mourning if you guys could please keep me in your thoughts and prayers for my beautiful my beautiful bowling boys arizona lost (laughs) oh this is great (laughs) me trying to smother them with a pillow finally worked uh avery is uh, i'm not sure if i'm allowed to disclose this avery is hammering out of her fucking mind (laughs) so she can't join us we're it's literally 11 p.m pacific as we're recording this uh and avery had a day uh and spent four hours as a utah fan and this is the result oh my goodness uh and reed uh his, this was supposed to be his last episode of no truck stops but he's out freezing his ass off in the cold night in eugene celebrating oregon's a uh, big big win uh what a night packed i football. mean the i guess yeah uh, this is a big monumental week. What are you talking about? We've been waiting for this one. Um, been waiting for this one all season, and it's uh, coming gone now. We'll talk about UCLA and USC. We'll talk about Oregon, Utah. We'll talk about all that we learned from this week and much more. But first, don't get too down. We have a celebration. We uh, got to 3.5 stars on hey. Apple Podcasts. Can you believe that shit? Like, they actually got us to 3.5 Love stars. Love that. Unbelievable. Uh amazing thank you all for doing that uh shout out to logan bunch of numbers for his review saying quote imagine this a pac-12 podcast with hosts that actually like and follow the pac-12 zing i think that's a shot at the pac podcast of champions which i think is base uh we will always read a review where we get praised and someone dunks on david woods and ryan abraham every single time we're gonna big read that. 10 ass podcast <laughs> uh so thank you to everyone who left a five-star review please keep dropping those also we've got patreon content grapes and i are kind of lagging on our overreactions we got to get to those it's just been a busy ass couple weeks uh but greg and matt are all over preview predictions we got the football pick them we got more stuff so go check that out and lastly if you haven't heard Twitter is collapsing, so we have opened up our Discord server to the public, just in case Twitter does actually implode. Uh, this Discord server, pretty lively, all things considered, even though Twitter is still alive. So we got several people uh, joining us live on our recordings here, usually. So if you're interested in that, DM us at, at NoTruckStopsPod for the invite. All right, let's get on with the rest of this shit. As always, Matthew Hubertson, please recap all of this day's craziness for us. Okay, okay. Uh, let's see. So earlier today, Wazoo killed 
the Zona Bowling Dream, 31 to 20. Jaden Delora was absolutely horrific in this game. Fought a wide receiver, um, tried to throw a ball at every single individual on the field, including every single player on the sidelines. Uh, Oregon State went on the road and won a ball game, 31 to 7. Uh, in the big game, Cal came back against Stanford and won 27 to 20 in a pretty boring game uh, overall. Um, USC and UCLA went shot for shot with USC winning 48-35. to 35. Um, DTR, an argument here that he lost this game, also did his best Jake Hayner impression. Pretty sure he's in the hospital tonight. Um, <laughs> dude took an absolute beating. UW beat the hell out of Colorado, 54-7. to 7, Ran the ball far too much for my liking. And to cap it all off, Oregon beat Utah 20-17 to 17 with a significantly limited Bo Nix. Uh, but Cam Rising outdid him with objectively the worst game of his Utah career. Thank you, Matthew Robertson. Beautiful, succinct recap. Uh, let's start with Oregon beating Utah 20-17 to 17 in Eugene, in Autzen Stadium. This game had... <laughs> uh, this game was ugly as all hell. Uh, you said it, Matt. Cam Rising with the worst game of his career to this point. Uh, Bo Nix did not look good. He was limited. He was barely moving around in the pocket. He They almost... He almost turned himself into a version of Michael Penix, uh, but somehow with some like insane fumbling and turnovers, uh, Oregon ended up uh, winning this game twenty to seventeen. So that game literally just wrapped up. So let's let's get Greg in here. Greg, how are you feeling about this? Uh, and and what takeaways are you pulling from this one? Uh, uh, it it really really fucking sucked to watch. Uh, that's that's my main takeaway. As, as a Utah fan, that should have been a win. That really should have been a win for Utah with the Bonix injured. And maybe in the first half, I thought he looked good. Like, I didn't notice quite so much how hobbled he was, uh, despite the fact that the or- <laughs> that Rod Gilmore mentioned it, you know, before every snap uh, for either team. That was fun. But in the second half, it really felt like Bonix just couldn't do anything because of his ankle. And Utah's defense stepped up in a way that I really did not expect them to, even with a hurt Bo Nix. So that was impressive. But Utah's offense, that was the worst they've looked in quite some time. That was Cam Rising, as uh, as Matt said. It's his worst game as a member of this Utah team. And man, that's a bad time to have your worst game. Uh, you just needed some. Also, you know, missing kicks did not help, but... Man, it just sucked to watch as a Utah fan, and it did not make me feel great about what next season's going to be. I don't know how you can project this to next season at all. Honestly, I just don't think it has that much of a bearing. Um, this this was a a piss poor performance out of the Utah offense. Um, it, defensively, you came out of the first half uh, down seventeen to three, and throughout that, Oregon had been impressively efficient with their offense, but. A whole lot of that was a lot of screens, a lot of short passes, and being able to run the ball as we expected Oregon to be able to do coming into this game. Um, the fact that Oregon was only or Utah was only able to muster three points in the first half, seventeen overall is is just a massive failure by Utah. There's really no other way to say it. Um, coming into the game, this is um, Parker Stats of War on Twitter puts out a bunch of like previews uh, just using EPA stuff and coming into the game, Oregon's defense was the 102nd defense in echo rate 
and specifically 122nd in EPA per pass. Utah threw the ball for 4.5 yards per attempt. Bad. Um, Bad. Cam rising 21 of 38, 170 yards. Did not get anything all that exciting. I think they had one explosive play in the past game, and it was on missed tackles yeah. <laughs> against uh, Dalton Kincaid. Just the inability to throw the ball. This really weird they, – they really came into this with a tale of two halves in the play calling where the entire first half was an over-reliance on the run game. Uh, Tavion Thomas finished this game with 2.9 yards per carry. That's not going to get it done. And then in the second half, they did nothing but pass and completely abandoned the run even though like running on the edges was working pretty solidly. So um, overall, like I, it sucks because I think that you're going to leave this game feeling good ish about Oregon. I mean, at least you're going to feel certainly better about Oregon than you do Utah. Oregon's able to survive in advance as we saw across the college football landscape. And like, so it, it, it feels wrong because like, there's really not much to talk about Oregon because they didn't really do anything good in this game. All, all due respect. And you just talk about where Utah failed. Like, it was just just a really, really bad showing. So I think, uh, first of all, uh, I think it's hard to – I think you have to feel good about Oregon solely because they escaped this game with a win. And this is mm-hmm. – you know, Utah is one of the four, five best teams in the Pac-12, and all four of those five are very, very good teams. Those are top ten teams. Um, and so, like, in some sense, I think you have to um, come away with that. Oregon, by the way – uh, had an 80% post-game win expectancy, though. So they should have won this game, and they did. They kind of got up uh, early. It looked like it looked like they were going to run Utah out of the out of the fucking stadium. Um, but Utah fought back. I have to say, uh, the thing I was impressed. That, it's hard because I, I'm not impressed with anything uh, Oregon did in particular, except one thing, and I think that stopped stop Utah's running game. Uh, Utah tried very hard to establish the run game and got stuffed on the vast majority of it. You said it, Matt, uh, 2.9 yards per play. Uh, I'll look at the, what's the success rate here on rushing plays? 58%. 58%. I mean, it's not bad. Um, but you know, it was, it was not a great performance. And so they had to, they had to lean on cam rising and cam rising, uh, through nothing Oregon did. I mean, I, I know Oregon fans are going to sort of think this is a renaissance of their defense, and I think that's true for their rush defense. I don't think that's true for their pass defense. I think Cam Rising looked horrendous. In addition to the line that you mentioned, Matt, he also threw three picks, and what felt like every single one felt like was a crucial moment, that one he absolutely could not make. And he made those picks. Uh, he threw really – it was it was terrible. He had that one throw late against Dalton uh, – uh, to Dalton Kincaid on like a fourth and two that would have kept Utah's drive alive to try to take the lead. Horribly underthrew him. Uh, and this is a guy – something's wrong with him. I mean, it's probably that knee or something. But like this is a guy that Greg was saying was like one of the most accurate short to intermediate throwers in the country. And mm-hmm. he – he was missing guys, just flat out, like wide open, just could not hit them at all. Um, he was unplayable. It was insane to watch. I think that um, we saw something when it came to the Utah defense against against Oregon that it was very clear that Utah had absolutely zero respect for the QB run game and zero respect for the idea of uh, of Bonix being able to scramble mm-hmm. out of the pocket. And I think that we ignore the fact that Oregon was able to do the exact same thing with Cam Rising. Um, when you saw a lot of those third and shorts, fourth and shorts, 
the entire Oregon defense just keyed on the running back. There was nothing else was going to be happening. There was not going to be any bootleg action. There was not going to be any QB run threat, anything like that. And so, um, you know, I do think that Oregon does deserve credit for that, but I, I am extremely bothered. I tweet about this where like, where was Nate Johnson in this game for Utah? Mm -hmm. I said last week in the episode, I expected 10 to 15 plays of him. He did play in this game. This was not a game where like you look at it and you're like, well, at least you didn't burn a redshirt game. He went in in the first series as a running back for some reason and just ran a decoy. Like he wasn't involved in the play at all. But, and so to not bring him in, in the plethora of third and shorts, fourth and shorts that Utah ran and to be able to expand your offense when very clearly cam rising is not right. Very clearly you've got to be able to open up that offense because Lord knows you're not throwing a half of these wide receivers that Utah's putting Mm -hmm. out there. And Utah just didn't, Utah didn't use any of the talent that they had at their disposal. Um, And it was really frustrating to watch. I have been very pro Andy Ludwig for most of the last two years because I think he maximizes a Kyle Whittingham offense. Like he's so by like he's by far the best offensive coordinator Utah's had under Whittingham. And so I've just decided, you know, I'm feeling good about it, especially with how good the Utah offense has been for most of the last two years. This game was dreadful from him. It just felt so stale. And I get that it's hard to call a good offense when your quarterback is missing throws like that. But I don't think we put, like, I don't think we tried anything new. I think we just did a bunch of shit that we'd already done before and knew wasn't going to work the whole game. Not putting in Nate Johnson, I totally agree, was a massive mistake. Uh, We all wanted them to do that because it gives Utah, like, an element of explosiveness that we don't really have uh, the rest of the time. And I just don't get why you didn't do it, especially, like like Matt said, when the offense isn't working. Uh, it was a terrible play-calling game. And on the other side of the ball, it was it's just to waste your defense finally showing up is so, so sad. And Utah's defense showed mm-hmm. up. like I, This was by far Utah's best defensive performance. And I get what you're saying, Matt, around like they didn't have to respect Bo Nix uh, and his legs because Bo Nix clearly not 100%, not even and, 60%. And his arm. He he had no drive on the ball like that angle. He is, did have yeah. he had a few great deep balls, but yeah, the deep balls are arm. Deep balls are arm and back leg. Like the so the ankle that is bothering him is his left ankle. So it's his it's his landing ankle. Oh, I thought it was right ankle. No, it's his landing ankle. So like that ankle that especially when you're trying to drive the ball down the field, all of the torque is going on that left ankle. And that's part of where, like, Cam Rising's knee, it's his left knee. So, like, when you're talking about actually driving the ball down the middle of the field, out to those corner routes, like, that's where that really affects you. Whereas when you're just throwing up the deep ball, those are generally arm throws. Like, that's arm throws off your back leg. I mean, if the, even if that were true, right, like, they didn't uh, – and, and you're right. Like, Bo Nix was clearly not even 60% of himself. He was not playing well, uh, you know. But, again, we know that he he's dealing with some of the, some injuries the way that Cam Rising is dealing with some stuff. Uh, despite that, Oregon had nothing going on in the run game. Uh, they, they weren't able to get any push against uh, Utah's – I thought Utah's defensive line performed – admirably well against what everyone said was the best offensive line in the Pac-12 in Oregon. Uh, So, and, you know, on top of that, like their defensive backs made the plays that they need Mm -hmm. to, right? Like Jalen, sorry, Jalen Clark. Uh, Clark Phillips III uh, had had an incredible pick here that really should have changed the complexion of the game in Utah's favor. But 
But, you know, they had moments like that. They were getting Oregon off the field. They weren't sort of getting run. Uh, explosive play rate for Oregon, kind of high, uh, I guess, in the 76th percentile. But that's not that's not terrible. Um, mostly Oregon's offense, like analytically, per the eye test, like did not look good. Uh, and I, I, that's at least in some part due to what Utah was doing defensively. So. Good. I, that was a good a defensive performance for them, but you're right, it's wasted. I even forgot, like, one of Utah's touchdowns was a scoop and score. It was a defensive score. Utah mustered one score per half offensively. Just horrible. You're never going to win that game. Yeah. You're, you're just never going to win that game. Yeah. Let, let, uh, let's shift to Oregon. Uh, you know, we talked about Bo Nix a lot, him not being healthy and him not being able to move around the way that he had. Uh, and the running back's not working. Was there anything that impressed you about Oregon, though? You know, we kind of talked about, you're not sure how much you walk away with feeling good about Oregon, but, you know, Greg, was there anything that impressed you about Oregon and their performance against Utah? So offensively, in the first half, their offensive line utterly dominated Utah's defensive line. Like, Bo Nix had, Mm -hmm. he could have stood back there indefinitely and never would have been bothered. Uh, And I think part of that is on Utah being stupid with what they wanted to do. But, like, anyway, good job for Oregon. Uh, but in the second half, guys got injured, and that was tough for them. So it, I, I don't blame them for getting worse in the second half offensively. Defensively, though, man, Noah Sewell had himself a fucking game. He was really, really good, blowing everything up for Utah constantly, making everybody's life hard. Uh, he had a fantastic game, probably the best player in this game overall. Yeah, just for as much shit as I've talked to him all year about where he's been pretty invisible all year, he he absolutely showed up in this one. Um, was uh, he was all over the place that, and I think that that was Oregon's havoc plays. Part of that, yes, like the Utah interceptions, but there was so many like in the run game. When you look at that success rate, Utah was very much they were either getting four or five yards or they were losing four or five yards in the run game. Um, there was several third and ones where Utah would go for a, uh, would would go for a run play, knowing that they were in four down territory, and they would be staring at a fourth and four, fourth mm-hmm. and five. Um, multiple times that happened in this game, and it it really. I mean, I mean, obviously, like at some point, you got to go away from the run game and you got to figure out what you're doing in your play calls. But I, I think that especially as you look toward the end of the game, where Cam Rising throws at throws the ball to Kincaid's feet on the fourth and two. I think that's a result of what you saw earlier in the game where Utah didn't feel like they could run the ball in short short distance scenarios. And they have a kicker who's good. Uh, Camden Lewis, great job. <laughs> Major kicks. Jaden Redding did not, and uh, that definitely hurt Utah. But uh, overall, I feel good. I feel very good about Oregon, uh, assuming they can get past Oregon State. Because if, yeah, if, yeah. if Bo Nix is back for the Pac-12 title game and their defense can play like this. And I get that, you know, Utah's offense made Oregon's defense, you know, made the Oregon defense's job pretty easy with how limited they looked. Uh, But like, if you can get Noah Sewell playing like that against USC and you get a healthy Bo Nix and the offense playing like it has for most of this year, I really think the Pac-12 title is theirs. Uh, Theirs to lose, like, if they if both teams are healthy, I think Oregon's so much better. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. I mean, they got to get past Oregon State, and I think that's going to be. And a, that is not a guarantee. Not a guarantee at all. It's like, uh, oh, you mean a, a top ranked team is going to go to Corvallis to uh, play Oregon State for all the marbles? Uh oh. <laughs> um, I did you all think this game was 
good? Was this a good game? No, no, no this was a shit game. No. This was terrible to watch. And I bet if you asked Oregon fans, they would feel the same way. I watched every snap of Cal Stanford. Cal Stanford. This game was so much worse played. So yeah, much I, I worse I tweeted played. about it. Uh, so Matt tweeted, you know, that he'd watched all of uh, the big game and it, uh, it was a better game than this. And I said, going from USC-UCLA to Utah, Oregon was like going from a hot tub to a semi-frozen lake. Uh, <laughs> just go from this beautiful, yeah. fun game of football to this disgusting slog that hurt to watch. Ugh. Yeah, I, I do not think this was a good game at all. Uh, you? No, I, 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 I this was... Uh, so when I was watching kind of in the middle of it, I, I was a little more convinced that the defenses were just stepping up more than we had ever thought. I, then I saw Bo Nix and Cam Rising throw pick after pick and turnover after turnover, and then it just got ugly, right? Like it, 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 it felt intense, but I, I don't think that, I don't think they actually ended up, uh, you know, uh, it ended up being a, a great game, which is a bummer because this is this was uh, a really, I, I think a lot of the injuries. I think the shitty part about it is that the injuries really got in the way of how good this game could have been, right? If Cam Rising is a hundred percent and Bo Nix are a hundred is a hundred percent. We're talking about another all-time classic. We're getting another 45-42 type game. Mm-hmm. Um, if either of those, uh, if both of those players are sort of at the peak of their power. And the offensive lines are healthy. I think that also hurt both teams. Right. Um, and that sucked. So we didn't get that. Uh, we didn't get our fourth sort of like, you know, we've had like UW-Oregon, which is like another big-time classic. And USC-Utah uh, was a classic. And UCLA-Utah was not maybe not a classic, but a, a good game. UCLA-Utah was a good game. Like, you know, we sort of had this string of really great games, so we were bound to get a dud. But this was certainly, I was certainly invested. You know, by no means was it ever, like, going to be a blowout. Uh, I mean, I guess early on, but Utah sort of battled back after <laughs> an insane fumble recovery that ended up... Uh, <laughs> that ended with uh you know the Utah scoring going down the other end so no it was not a good game uh but Oregon won then that's all that matters like it doesn't really matter how how you look in these games against the top 4 teams you got to just survive uh, and they're going to be able to lay a claim to the conference title game again if they can get past Oregon State so we will see all right that was Oregon Utah uh big win for the ducks and uh heartbreaking loss for utah utah now eliminated from the pac-12 title contention oregon just needs to win out but again they gotta play oregon state okay let's go let's go down south to this game uh usc beat ucla 48 to 45 in the rolls bowl in what was another classic among the pac-12's best teams this game was insane it started with a few defensive stops and eventually picked up steam with uh, ucla and usc trading blows in the second half uh, ucla rushed out to a 21 to 10 lead and a series of blown opportunities from both teams resulted in usc cutting the lead to 21 to 20 at the half then ucla's offense faltered in some pretty key moments enabling usc to go up for 34 to 24 and that set off another flurry of scoring from both teams where the one was cutting the lead to one score. UCLA was cutting the lead to one score and USC would extend it and UCLA would cut it to one score and USC would extend it. Uh, UCLA eventually found itself with an opportunity to tie or win this game, but much like he did against Arizona, DTR threw a game-breaking pick to clinch the game for the Trojans. 
Uh, there's a lot to dive into for this one, but what's your biggest takeaway? Let's start with Matt. Um, it sucks because it feels like this is the takeaway that we get from every USC game. Um, <laughs> Caleb Williams is fucking incredible. Um, that dude can absolutely spin the rock. It is it is ridiculous, and then the ability that he has uh, running is is equally incredible. This it feels like Caleb Williams is what Kyler Murray was supposed to be, if that makes sense. Um, just the talent profile and what he's able to do on the football field. There were some moments in this game, though, where it felt like USC was trying really, really hard to give this game away. Um, and especially when you look at the fact that DTR did have as many mistakes as he did, and for this to still be a three-point game, I feel like USC should feel very very fortunate to be leaving this game with a win. Carlos, do you do you, do, do you have the uh, post game win expectancy? No, I can pull it up real quick though. For this, try to find that. I I thought that I thought that the um the the UCLA plan um while it wasn't as successful in the first quarter certainly uh i thought that they were very balanced in running the ball i thought that um zach charbonnet was able to get whatever he wanted and i thought that dtr was able to get whatever he wanted especially when like it was just a random usc linebacker he could get that whenever he wanted to <laughs> so um i thought i thought that that was just i mean it, it was such a typical usc game where it was high scoring and it was who gets the key stops and who was able to win in the big moment. And unfortunately, DTR wasn't able to pull it out in this one. And USC just kind of remained constant where they're going to put up 45 points and get a turnover or two and see what happens. I watched this game mostly from the perspective of a DTR fan. Like, I was just thoroughly enjoying how pumped he was, how much he wanted to beat USC, you know, and just how fun he is as a player. And so it was weird to, like, watch this game and he had some brutal moments like i'm not gonna lie like he threw three picks right yeah and uh it could have been more like there were some throws that were awfully close and it just like it hurt for me that he didn't get that done at the end that he threw that pick but at the same time i do think ucla i mean i do think usc deserved to win that game i think they were the better team in that game uh and and as uh, as Matt said, Caleb Williams is fucking incredible as a quarterback. The way he evades pressure uh, and gives his receivers time to get open, because they will get open always. They're that good. Uh, that was really, really fun to watch, too. This game, <laughs> this game, I think, is inarguably one of the three best this yeah. season. This is an incredible game. Uh, to, to Matt's question, USC had a post-game win expectancy of 68%. So they were expected to win this game, but not much, 68%. I think that's fairly low, all things considered. Uh, so this game really could have gone either way, although USC was definitely controlling it in the second half where UCLA controlled it for much of the first half. Uh, this game, uh, so we'll all stick with USC. Uh, you're right. There's nothing else to say about Caleb Williams other than he's incredible. Uh, you know, we sort of have gone back and forth about who the best quarterback in the Pac-12 is. And sometimes it was Bo Nix and sometimes it was DTR and sometimes it was Michael Penix. Uh, Caleb Williams has, now that we've played out the vast majority of a full season, Caleb Williams has cemented himself as the number one quarterback in the Pac-12. I think it's just inarguable mm-hmm. at this point, right? Like, Michael Penix has been great, but he's had some moments. And DTR has had is going through a, a really tough time right now these past couple of weeks. And Cam Rising just had the worst game of his career. Bo Nix, he might have stayed up there, but he got hurt. Um, and, you know, who knows what that would have looked like. But 
Caleb Williams has always been in that argument. Uh, he's always been in that discussion. He's always been in the top two, top three. And here he is now, um, uh, absolutely cooking UCLA to the tune of 470 yards. He was incredible. Uh, Jordan Addison was incredible. He had uh, a breakout game. It's cool to see him healthy again. I mean, not for me, because, you know, I'm rooting for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really fucking painful, actually. Uh, 11 receptions, 178 yards, one touchdown. Um, had had a couple of big plays that uh, sort of was part of that uh, that that holding serve thing. And USC's run game, also really good. Um, Austin Jones, the, we thought, you know, Travis Dye, you know, being out might actually hurt USC considerably, but Austin Jones came in. I mean, this is the this is the this was the insane thing about USC's Stanford uh, USC's uh, transfer <laughs> pickups. It's like, oh yeah, and they picked up like UW's best receiver, and now Terrell Bynum is the fifth, sixth best receiver for USC. Is barely getting any playing time, and oh yeah, they picked up Austin Jones, who is Stanford's best rush running back, and now he's just kind of like playing backup to travis die uh up and down the roster that is true and uh austin jones came in had 21 attempts 120 yards uh two touchdowns 5.7 yards per carry had an incredible game himself so uh usc's offense uh elite i will say usc's defense performed better than i thought they would uh i i don't know that this we could say that this was a good game from usc defensively but they blew up UCLA's offensive line, fucking throttled them, pushed them around, especially in the second half, got in DTR's face, really hurt DTR, physically hurt him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, we'll, we'll get to DTR and UCLA in a bit, but he was limping around and he had his, you know, his thumb hurt and cut and all this other stuff. They were, they were physical with DTR and, uh, and really forced him into some tough decisions. And the defensive backs did a pretty good job also. So, you know, uh, I think uh, it'll go understated. I think if you're like the national pundits were sort of say that USC's defense kind of uh, was garbage and it was mostly bad, but it, it was a lot better than I think any of us were expecting against UCLA. So, yeah, USC, they they won this game in ways that I think uh, were deeply impressive. Yeah, they look like shit against Colorado kind of and they've had their stinker games, but this is sort of what it's going to be like with USC, right? They're just going to sleepwalk through games and win them. And then when it's time for the big ones, they're going to get up. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely true. And I was, I was disappointed by UCLA's defense in this one too. Like I know we, we can't be expecting great things from them, especially, you know, when they're playing receivers as good as this, I wasn't expecting much from their secondary. However, they got beaten the run game more than I would have, would have liked to see. I thought, I thought they were a little better than that in rush defense. Maybe I, I think I might have just been wrong. Uh, but Yeah, you inflated them a little bit probably. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was disappointing to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I was hoping for a little bit more there because I felt like Austin Jones, like you said, he had a good game, but I felt like he had it pretty easy too. Uh, very, very big holes to run through. Uh, it was it was a, a, a good all-around performance from USC defensively. You know, uh, probably their best. Honestly, they gave up 45 points and 500-plus yards, and, you know, th- it was their best defensive performance of the year, I think. They made they made UC – well, I mean, there's Oregon State, but, like, that was not nearly the same level of yeah. offense. Opponent yeah. adjusted, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> uh, they made UCLA struggle a lot. Like UCLA scored a lot, but it felt really, really hard. <laughs> I I will say so. DTR came out of the half with his thumb taped, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do do we have like a timestamp on when that injury actually occurred? I don't know. Because I will say that like you look at Jake Bobo, ten targets, only four catches. 
DTR was just slightly off a lot in this game. A lot of the ways that um, UCLA has been able to produce a lot of their explosives has been in that like catch and run sort of play. And I felt like there was a lot of wide receivers reaching for balls a lot more than they usually have throughout the season for UCLA. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know when the exact time was, but uh, it certainly affected him. I also just think, you know, uh, USC rattled him a little bit, too. Um, I think they pressured him into some really tough decisions. The the body language in the second half was significantly different. I mean, we've seen him demonstrative. Mm -hmm throughout the year and even in the first half of this game where he's just talking unbelievable amounts of shit like i'm i genuinely think he's trying to fight to to start a fight on every single play and in the second half of this one he just he did not look himself at all from that standpoint he's a tough player uh he he, he battled through that stuff i thought he, he was he just does this i mean he does it he's like a tough motherfucker i don't know how else to say it like He's uh he goes out there and keeps playing and maybe his body language is just like I, my body is fucking giving out because I'm getting <laughs> hit by Tuli Tui Peloto like uh like fucking every third snap whenever I drop back uh, it's it's hard it's hard being him and despite that uh he had six total touchdowns which is insane um now he had a couple of really really bad picks we can you know sort of go to UCLA now uh DTR did not have his worst game the way that Cam Rising did but it had similar game in that. Uh, in that he had very untimely interceptions um, and was making some really bad decisions sort of in the second half of this game uh, where it was sort of like he was either not seeing a defender in the backfield or he was, you know, forcing stuff. Like, it it did not... um, There were a couple of moments where it did not look good. And it was, you know, same thing sort of at the end where he made a really, really bad decision to throw that ball that ended the game on that pick. So he did not look, I don't know. He, he looked incredible in that he was the reason UCLA was even keeping up in the first place, but he also looked bad in that he was making decisions and kind of lost that game for UCLA. So it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of what DTR, that's what DTR looked like this game. And he hasn't really looked like that all year up until the Arizona game where he sort of did. Um, so I don't know. Maybe something. Maybe you're right, Matt. You brought up last week. Like, is there something going on with him? Maybe there is something going on with him. Maybe he is has some physical ailment we're not hearing about. But but your point is very well taken. Where like the timing of these things. I mean, so UCLA was up twenty one to ten. USC scores a touchdown to bring it to twenty one seventeen. And so then you've got, um, you're at at what at like the two minute mark in the second quarter, and you get interception, missed field goal, interception. Uh, in back-to-back plays where, like, that's a huge opportunity for UCLA to take control of the game. They're getting the ball out of the half if they score a touchdown on one of those. Um, All of a sudden, you're looking at a 28-17 halftime lead. Like, that's a big deal um, for for UCLA. And even USC ends up kicking a field goal as time expires. And the difference between 28-17, hell, 31-17 potentially with the fact that they got two drives out of it, like – that's that's a totally different situation and then same thing at the end of the game where you get that interception at the end of the game fumble out of the half on the second drive and all of a sudden instead of UCLA being up by two scores they're down two scores they're down 34-24 that was a huge swing in the middle of the game there where 
DTR was bad throughout it. Yeah, that middle eight stuff uh, was definitely, I think, at top of mind for everyone watching this game because it got down to sort of like, you know, UCLA was up, uh, what, 21-17 with an opportunity to go up. You're right, Matt. They would have gone up 28-17 going into the half, and they would have gotten the ball back at the half with an opportunity to go up 35-17. That would have been massive. And, you know, the... The interceptions just just really broke UCLA's back. Um, and I don't think, you know, I think there's a lot of like, again, it's turnover luck on the part of USC's defense. Obviously, we don't credit USC's defense with those picks. Uh, but it was, they, they did pressure him into some uh, tough, tough decisions. So it was a, it was a very bizarre game from DTR, both spectacular and also catastrophic at the same time. This is like, you know, um, Greg last year called Jaden Delora, and we'll get to Jaden Delora later. Like <laughs> decaf DTR, this was like you know caffeinated JDL. Like <laughs> oh, like oh, he's fucking going blow for blow with USC by himself, but also fuck, he <laughs> lost him this game. Like that was really what it was. Really what like watching an elevated version of Jaden Delora. It really was. Um, uh, like just so much more talented, so much smarter. But also just like, what are you thinking? Um, so, and he, you know, he had three picks, but also there's probably two or three other times where he should have had a pick, mm-hmm. DTR did. Um, about U- UCLA's rushing attack, uh, it, it got hampered, I think, by USC. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with UCLA's offensive line, again, completely collapsing. And this is the problem when you don't have any sort of real uh, offensive line talent and depth. I think it's a personnel issue more than anything. Zach Charbonnet is getting hit behind the line frequently. Carlos is reading the UCLA chats right now. Keep going. (laughs) I mean, that, that is the story of Chip Kelly. And like we talked about it, like UCLA's offensive line was like patchwork shit for much of the season. Any injuries or any sort of fatigue that any of the offensive linemen and the rotation felt was they were going to hurt and adversely affect UCLA. And they did. Um, UCLA's rushing attack got very little going. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, under 100 yards for probably the first time all season. 19 attempts, 95 yards, five uh, five yards per carry, no touchdowns. Uh, and then Keegan Jones had four attempts for 28 yards. Like, their their uh, best rusher per the yards per carry was Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Uh, 14 attempts, 81, um, 81 yards, two touchdowns. So, you know, and maybe a lot of that had to do with being behind and playing behind um, in this game a little bit, which, you know, I think you could argue that US, uh, UCLA probably should have run run the ball a little bit more. But so, yeah, UCLA, UCLA's offense, I think, slightly disappointing, kept up with USC as much as they could. Uh, what did you think about UCLA's defense, though? Uh, you know, they had to they got cooked by USC, but <laughs> I don't know. Were you impressed by them? Is it just like, nah, USC is just that good and UCLA was never going to keep up? I I was unimpressed. Uh, I yeah. didn't think they made it hard. Why would you? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, they definitely didn't make it hard. What did you What did you think, Matt? No, nah, I mean I I kind of felt like it was. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, like I, yes, absolutely. Jordan Addison was running wide open uh, several times, um, but I mean for the most part, like that. I think that UCLA was able to do what any defense has been able to do against USC this year. Um, and I think that especially in a game where I, I think we've seen at times a lot of USC either trying things out 
or just generally shooting itself in the foot when they get into those games against your Oregon States, against your Wazoos, where they know they don't have to score 50 to win this ball game. Mm -hmm. And I think that at times they get away from the running game. They get away from what's working in the pass game because they're trying to get somebody's numbers up or they're recruiting (laughs) or something like that, that I do think impacts the way that they run their offense. And it's pretty independent of what the defense is doing. Whereas when you look at this game, when you look at the Utah game, I mean, this is this is just what USC's offense is able to do, and unfortunately, it is a it is an entity that cannot be limited or stopped. Frankly, um, yeah, it's it's interesting because like if you project that to a playoff structure, obviously, I think Georgia is going to be able to do a lot. But if they're not, I mean, I I still obviously Oregon only scored three points against them, but you see USC's offense is infinitely more talented than Oregon's. And so to say that, to expect that USC is definitely not going to score 24, 27, 30 against an, a, an elite caliber defense like that. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know that that's realistic. I think that USC can absolutely hang with anybody offensively. They'd probably, they, they'd cook uh, TCU. If TCU is somehow, they end up matched up with TCU. Oh, they'd be the shit out they'd, of TCU. They'd be the shit they? out of TCU. I mean, they'd score on yeah. TCU, but, I don't know if B- I don't think USC is yeah, capable. I mean, who cares? I mean, you just, are, is TCU going to be? Are you going to guarantee that TCU is going to score fifty points? Because that's what they're going to need to keep up with USC. I mean, I think they can well, get to forty I, against USC. It's fucking USC. Yeah, I mean, USC won't beat the I, shit out. Uh, of, won't beat the shit out of anybody who's good. They can score with anybody, I, but I, they can't. Their defense is not good enough to blow anyone out. It's talented I enough. I think that TCU is good. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, I don't really watch the tons of those games. I'm box score watching, but I think I think TCU is, I think TCU is Oregon State. Um, <laughs> they didn't so, beat the shit okay, out of Oregon I, State. So <laughs> <laughs> they won that game I know, by I thirty. Wanna, I wanna, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I want to. You talked about like there's that narrative as far as Chip Kelly and the talent and the way that the program has been built and everything like that. And I think that that criticism is all very real. It, this kind of dovetails a little bit, and I think that the two are related. So our buddy Andrew Hobner tweeted that Utah losing to this Florida team because Florida lost to Vanderbilt. Don't know if you've heard that's Vanderbilt uh, two game win streak in the SEC. Um, Florida losing to or losing to this Florida team, it looks absolutely awful in hindsight, and we really don't criticize Winningham enough for burning college football playoff level teams two years in a row by bungling an average non-con. I I took issue with it and we talked about it a little bit because I think that while the criticism of Whittingham, similar to the criticism of Chip Kelly, is very real, I think that attaching that criticism to the either results or potential results is where we start to have problems in like our college football discourses and evaluating these teams. Because with Chip Kelly, there are real flaws in the way that he has built his program. With Utah and Kyle Whittingham, there are real flaws in the way that you can build a Utah program Mm. and build a Utah team. And I do think that there have been some poor decisions as far as relying on experience over talent for Kyle Whittingham. With that being said, if you fix those issues, I don't know if that actually changes the results. And so like, when you start calling a team a college football level, uh, a playoff level team, I feel like that gets in the way of the results a la, like if you look at UCLA, they very easily could have gone ten and two this year with these exact same flaws. And how do you have that conversation? You, does mm-hmm. that make sense? And like, do you agree with that premise? Yeah, I mean, I think that the issue is is that 
you know, what does talent do? It's like, what does, what does, what do things like talent uh, do for you? And that increases your margin for error. And when you increase your margin for error, you do go, go 10 and two, like you actually go 10 and two, like look at USC. USC is a great example this year. It's like when your talent is that, when you have that high level of talent, your margin for error is massive so that they will end up going 11 and one when they probably could have been nine and three, eight and four, even like, you know, with the USC game or the Utah game and the UCLA game and the Oregon state game. Switch out their quarterback. I think this is a seven, five, eight and 14. Yeah. yeah. And, and Absolutely. that's, that's the margin for error. That's the margin for error thing, right? Caleb Williams erases that margin for error, but like, you know, they're, that's just like one sort of talent thing. It's like, <laughs> They probably have someone who's decent enough behind Caleb Williams, and maybe it's like a nine and three team, and that's still sort of a margin for error, a larger margin for error than they would if they just had like, you know, I don't know, replacement level quarterback play in the Pac-12. So I, I mean, I, I, that's the thing with Chip Kelly. I think that's the 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 problem with the way he's built this program is if you don't get talent, you reduce your margin for error, and then you better be really fucking good at development. And I'd argue he's not this this staff has not been very good at development and and here's how i know that the vast majority of their starters are fucking transfers um like yeah they've developed one player yeah dtr <laughs> uh they did fucking develop zach charbonnet and it's and it's not the position because it ain't the backup <laughs> yeah. yeah. they ain't getting better either yeah. <laughs> uh exactly uh so it's like you know the offensive line is patchwork shit most mainly most most up made up mostly of uh transfers got a bunch of transfer transfers on defense and the defensive backfield all over oh this pass rush that is like uh supposedly better than it was last year all transfers uh the murphy twins uh darius musau jay toia all transfers that's not development that's not development work it's just not um so you know at least in the case of kyle whittingham it's like you actually he actually does have some pretty good bona fides in terms of development chip kelly do we know that he does i don't uh we haven't seen it you just know that talent leaves and then he brings in new talent so uh lots of questions for ucla was this game good do you, I, you oregon utah you didn't enjoy did you enjoy this one greg holy, is giving us oh a yeah. thumbs up holy enjoyed this as i said earlier one of the three best games in the conference so far i'd have it third i think but like oh okay. still enjoyed it a lot if UCLA had won, I'd you, have it think... one. <laughs> if, if DTR hadn't thrown that pick, I'd probably have it number one. But uh, you think uh, USC Utah is still number one? For USC you. Utah number one, UW Oregon number two. This game number three for me because I, I love the like the drama at the end of that. Like I like the offensive team scoring. Yeah. I like the home team winning, uh, and that happened in the uh, like the other two games ended with defense like offenses failing to score basically, and then. You kneel it out. Uh, and Utah ended with that two-point attempt conversion to win that game, yeah. Well, I guess it didn't end like that because USC failed to score, but it was a home game, so it's different. Blah, blah, blah. Ah, I know. make the rules. Yeah. Well, also, <laughs> it's like only 20, 30 seconds left, right? It's like, you know, how much? How much Utah, gives, Utah gets more hype for a defensive stop. Yeah, yeah we... <laughs> they're stealing our brand is what's happening here, I think. Uh, so... Our, our big brand <laughs> our big brand <laughs> all right well let's uh let's talk about the rest of these contests here uh oregon state and can wazoo we not <laughs> or yeah let, we can go through these quickly it's getting late this is where i actually get sad <laughs> <laughs> this is such this is such a sad bot. i know i know 
the Beavs and the Cougs beat the shit out of bad teams. This time, both did it in the desert. The Beavs smothered Arizona State in Tempe, holding the Sun Devils to just 276 yards of total offense. Meanwhile, in Howard South, uh, Wazoo made Jaden Delora look silly as hell, beating Delora and Arizona 31-20 to after a couple of garbage time scores. That made this game look way more respectable than it actually was. Uh and also in the process, drowning poor Matt's baby boys, bowl eligible Arizona, uh, and making sure that they spend another December at home. Um, Greg, you're happy about this. You win a bet, I think. Uh, I do win <laughs> a bet. What did you think? So, before this game, I was looking at player prop bets, and I got a nice bet at uh Jaden Delora over 0.5 interceptions, minus 120. He had four interceptions in this game. Uh, he was dreadful, and that was... Oh, it was beautiful for me to watch as an Arizona hater. They drowned. I win. And Matt has to wear a shirt that says, Ask me about soaking for when we go to Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament in March. Very pleased with the game and with how Oregon... with I should say, how Washington State played... Uh, their defense did a good job, and their offense did enough to win. So, all around, great job, Kooks. Matt, what about you? What did you think? Yeah, um, this this was a sad a sad viewing <laughs> experience for me. Um, I even picked against Oregon State, uh, but on principle, and and they got to shove that down my yeah, throat. It was a rough well. week for you. Um, yeah, no, didn't didn't have much fun at all, really. So, yeah, I mean. The the Wazoo defense, man, like they are they are really really good, um, and there was definitely a lot of that like rivalry like hatred feel with all of the its personal shit with Jaden Delara for Wazoo. So I thought that was interesting. Honestly, though, like it, that was impressive, no doubt. But the once again, like Oregon State has taken the step as the program that they are just flat out, they're going to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. doesn't matter if it's on the road or at home or, or however that, that schedule lays out. Them going on the road and beating the hell out of a bad Arizona State team, that is a genuine step for that program, and it's really good to see. That's what we asked out of them at the beginning of the year. And so I'm very proud of our Beavlet, our, our little Beavlet. Yeah, I, even without Jackhammer. <laughs> yeah, without Jackhammer. Uh, yeah, these are both, like, again, we talked about it. I mean – Really, with the exception of two games, and we can name them when we remember when they happened and what happened in those games. With the exception of two games, uh, the top seven teams are, uh, are have gone chalk, uh, and that includes Oregon State and Wazoo, beating every team that they should, almost exactly as they should, with the exception of Oregon State and Stanford. Um, they have beaten every team that they should and, and lost to the best teams on their radar. So, I don't know. Perform- this is uh, impressive, again, just because they continue to do that. They continue to handily beat the teams that they are better than, uh, which is cool. I don't know. Wazoo is, what, 7-4? and four? Oregon State is 8-3? and three. An opportunity for them to both get eight or more wins uh, is pretty cool. So, uh, a really nice renaissance from Oregon State and Wazoo. Two programs that I think people think are the most disadvantaged in the Pac-12. Like, I think if you had to pick two the two most disadvantaged programs, it's probably Oregon State and Wazoo. So great for them. Uh, Arizona, we, we got to talk a little bit about Jaden Delora. He was horrendous. Uh, uh, fucking terrible. There's no words to describe 
just how bad Jaden Delora was. He was terrible. And on top of that, got into a fight with his receiver, yeah, what the Jacob f- Cowing. Well, I think it was Singer, not uh, Cowing, but... It was oh, Singer. Oh, it was a Dorian Singer. Okay. Still, but- got into a fight with Dorian Singer on the sidelines. What did you think of that, Greg? <laughs> it was bonkers to watch, and it was, like, kind of upsetting to me because... Well, not upsetting because, you know, I enjoyed it thoroughly, but, like... Delora, as you said, was terrible. That was on him that whole time. You could tell this loss is on him. He's making terrible decisions. He's making bad throws. To get in a fight with your receiver when you are at fault is like... I mean, we don't know exactly what they were fighting about, but I don't know. I I was... I didn't have great feelings towards Jaden Delora in that moment, especially with how bad he'd played, especially with how good I think Dorian Singer is. I think he was probably in the right there. Uh, all around, did not cover himself in glory, uh, Jaden Delora. It was horrendous. It, not a great look for him. This was his sort of like uh, game against his former team, and maybe that had to factor in. He just got too emotional um, in this one, wanted it a little bit too bad. Didn't wasn't particularly composed, but this is a, a a very bad, um, very very bad performance from him. Yeah, Arizona's offense had nothing going, partially mo- mostly due to him, uh, Jaden Delora by himself. Like they had nothing. This was by far, I would say, their worst offensive performance of the entire season, um, and his worst performance of the season too. So, uh, Oregon State. Arizona State, eh, what I don't know. I barely was paying attention to this game. Arizona State, like X Validate had another great game. Good for him. But Oregon State mostly smothered that. It was a little it was a little scary early on, but Oregon State took care of business. Their run game, Damian Martinez absolutely owns. He is only a freshman. He's gonna be awesome. He's gonna be the best Pac twelve running back next year. Um, so good for him. Uh they still have quarterback issues and all that other stuff, but they keep winning despite that so whatever any other thoughts about these two uh these two games transfer portal is going to be fun for oregon state this yeah. season they gotta go Ooh, hunt. i really hope yeah. it's fun <laughs> they gotta if it's go not hunt. fun questions need to start being asked if it's not if it's not fun i'm gonna have i'm gonna have words <laughs> oregon state quarterback sam heward who says no oregon state honestly they might they might have to say no there <laughs> come on why we have we have seen sam heward exactly one game and it was not good. Like we don't like. Can't what if, be worse than Bengal Branson. Yeah, but Chance can't. Nolan will be back, right? Can't be worse. Yeah, he can't be worse than Chance Nolan. He threw either. four picks. Like he did exactly what we yeah. hated Chance Nolan for doing. <laughs> That's all we've seen from Again, him. But as a, but as a freshman, Chance Nolan's his second year as a Chance starter. Chance Nolan is better than Dylan Morris, and right now Sam Heward is behind Dylan Morris, and I think questions need to be asked there. Like I'm not saying Sam Heward is definitely bad, but like. I would rather not put all my eggs in the Sam Heward basket if I were Oregon State. I'd look elsewhere. Oregon State and Dylan Morris. Who says no? Oregon State. Chance Nolan's a better quarterback <laughs> okay. than Dylan Morris. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on to the next two teams. Complete sicko hours here. Uh, UW predictably throttled Colorado 54-7. The Huskies outgained the Buffs. 575 to 202. Meanwhile, Cal beat Stanford in big game 27-20 after Stanford led 17 to 6 heading into the fourth quarter. 
Uh, y'all, I got to be honest, I side-watched the first half of Cal Stanford and watched exactly zero snaps. It never showed up on my TV, UW Colorado. Uh, so, Matt, you were the, I, I think you were the one paying attention to both of these games for whatever fucking Hell reason. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think? Um, gambling is very fun and gets you invested in games <laughs> that you have zero reason to be invested in. UW, throw the damn ball, man. It's it's senior day. Get Penix's stats. Bo Nix is, is hurt and is not performing well. Get Penix to New York. That was a ridiculous play calling performance. Absolutely horrible. I missed <laughs> on my on, on my parlay, my yards and touchdowns parlay for Michael Penix. Um, Colorado wore the black helmets with the gold decal on it. Looked horrible. Um, like it looks really good up close, but on TV, you just don't see it. It's just a black helmet. Um, not a fan. Uh, really like. Is that like when um when Utah wears those like black helmets with the red shiny, like block you or whatever? Yeah, but like at least that has more contrast because it's a big block like image instead of the Colorado Buffalo. Like it's just the outline, oh, and yeah. so like you just yeah, you, can't you just tell. can't see it. Okay. So um yeah, didn't didn't love those. I like it when they do the the whites or the the white lettering and otherwise just wear your golds your golds look great um cal stanford though uh david shaw is just like an eight-year-old playing madden like <laughs> this dude that stanford came out and like their first 15 uh, scripted plays over their first two drives touchdown field goal moving the ball doing whatever whatever they wanted had some explosive plays like it was great great design loved every bit of it and then legitimately like just started spamming halfback angle and like, it just it wasn't working um i know i think i was listening to split zone duo a couple weeks ago and or or maybe cover three and they were like yeah no that that david that david shaw seat that like never warms up ever at all and is basically just an actual walk-in freezer Apparently, like, they were like, maybe. Like, it yeah. actually could warm up, yeah. potentially. I'm not saying it's warm at all. Um, I feel like losing this game in this fashion where they came out and were ahead and were controlling the game and then just became completely and other, utterly listless the rest of the game, this is where I would, you know, be pretty much like, I'm done. Yeah. So, and frankly, I am done. I don't want to watch anymore. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> Greg, any thoughts about UW Colorado or Cal Stanford? Watched zero seconds of UW Colorado, much like you, and I did not watch enough of Cal Stanford. Uh, I like had that on a second screen, but like I don't really have. I didn't see enough of it to have real takes about it. Um, I I uh, watched some of the Cal Stanford game, and you're right; those two drives that were like scripted cool like they got 10 points out of it they scored zero points the rest of the way in that first half uh, up until a little bit later in the third uh that game was really ugly in the first half it was a garbage horrible awful game uh as we all expected i i'm hoping for the sake of stanford and cal that they fire their coaches because i'm not excusing justin wilcox at all for beating this dog shit stanford team by seven points uh you know maybe some cal boosters are going to be like oh well you know he beat stanford he won the axe that matters uh fuck you justin wilcox is terrible david uh, david shaw though has, has been bad for i think longer he's had the more accomplished career but man he has completely tanked that program it's like he it's almost like he brought Stanford back to where they were before Jim Harbaugh, which is like fucking insane. Quite literally, this um, is the first time they've had one win in conference play since the season before Jim Harbaugh was hired. That's tough. Um, that is brutal. 
And they finish, yeah, they finish one and eight now, right? Because they play BYU so, next. Mm-hmm. Here's a question for you about about Stanford. Tanner McKee, most hit quarterback in college football, um, has not been able to perform well at mm-hmm. all this year. And frankly, like when he has had time, he looks like a quarterback that has been hit twenty times. <laughs> um, is he's a junior, and we know how Stanford does as far as like grad school and everything like <laughs> that. Is he is he a transfer candidate? And like, is that a mutual transfer? Because Ashton Daniels has been playing a lot this year as far as a much more mobile option and kind of seems like an option that would be a lot better for what Stanford is actually trying to run. Tanner McKee to Oregon State. Who says no? I'm saying. Uh, it, it would, oh God, it would make, it would be perfect. <laughs> I'm saying. But isn't Tanner McKee like an NFL prospect? Like, Yeah, but this season was so exactly. bad. The season was so bad that but I don't, don't know if don't NFL scouts year. realize that that's because of the shitty offense that subjects Tanner McKee to being hit 20 they times do, a game? but they also aren't able to look over the fact that he has a shredded up knee and a bad back and like his medicals are horrible because he just took a season getting mauled yeah, by trucks. Yeah, I think a big thing is I bet he would get drafted late, but he might get some of that first round buzz back if he comes back and plays for a good offensive line at Oregon State, for a good quarterback coach in Jonathan Smith that could do wonders for his stock, could actually make him money. And like, Look, non-conference numbers are non-conference numbers. I get it. But in non-conference this season, 73.8 completion percentage, 9.2 average. Like The the non-converse is con splits when obviously everybody knows exactly what David Shaw's trying to do here. Like I I think the talent's there. So uh, on tankathon.com, they have Tanner McKee as the number 53rd, the 53rd best player um, available. So that would, you know, put him squarely in round two, round three territory, which, you know, that's draftable. I think they're wrong okay. there. Um, I think it'll it'll plummet before the draft comes. Uh, PFF in the midseason. PFF and sucks. I don't think anything's changed since PFF the sucks. Mid- I get it, midseason. Uh, they have Tanner McKee as the 17th best player <laughs> in the <this> potential <laughs> draft. I don't know. I think there's this this QB class this year is hot trash as well. So yeah, and that might benefit you know Tanner McKee. So I I guess I'm just like I don't know. He's my, my point get being so like maybe he goes NFL. You're right. Is there any chance he's at Stanford next For his year? Sake, I hope not. Like I, he I truly be. I think that should be his view. I think it should be go to the NFL, get his grades, see what happens. If like he's not grading out well and not getting the answers that he wants. Yeah, hit the transfer portal. You got to transfer mm-hmm. somewhere else. Hit the transfer portal. Yeah. And Oregon State, I mean, honestly, he'd kick ass at Oregon State. That offensive line is good enough to keep him upright. He's got a great run. He'll have a, an elite, the best running back in the Pac-12 next year in Damian Martinez. He'll have ostensibly oh. a good running back. Jade not at UCLA. Let's not uh, overlook that. That's a good point. <laughs> Jade not at UCLA. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Um, so, I don't know. Interesting stuff. Anyway, uh, that's how bad Stanford is. We're talking about uh, which players are going to are gonna transfer out. Who knows? They might have another exodus. They had a big exodus like a year or so ago. Um, they... They ought to have another exodus. They got to save some of those players. It's really, really sad. Okay. Well, that's it. Those are the games. Let's get to our MVPs this week. Uh, Greg, who are your MVPs? This is tough, but I think I'm going to go with Caleb Williams because he he was just incredible. And like for me, it was between him and uh, Noah Sewell. Like, you know, both of them were the best players in games. They absolutely had to win that were against great teams. 
and they knocked it out of the park. Like they did everything their team needed and more. So I'll, I'll go with Caleb Williams, but Noah Sewell is right up there too. Matt, what about you? Who are your MVPs? Yeah, it's definitely Caleb Williams. A um, little bit of a shout out to Cam Ward in in the way that he played against Arizona, although opponent adjusted, not all that impressive, but he did play well. Um, God, it's such a shame um, that uh, that Stanford didn't win because Caillou Blue Kelly played his ass off. Um, he was all over the field in that game, and obviously it didn't matter. Did not matter. Yeah, I think it's uh, very obviously Caleb Williams. I think he, I mean, almost throwing for 500 yards is absurd. Um, I, I'll give some love. I'm a little, you know, I, I think, God, I, I, I'd probably Tuli Tui Peloto, uh, a Peloto. I think he mm. did a really great job against yeah, USC's, uh, UCLA's offensive line, really shredded them, made stuff hard. Uh, a sneaky one that I think, uh, like just if you're going off stat lines and looking at big numbers, uh, Dorian Singer had nine catches for 176 yards and a touchdown. Also a fight with the quarterback not... <laughs> and punched yeah. his quarterback. <laughs> punched his quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> not what you'd expect, given Jaden Delora was absolutely fucking terrible in this game, but he had a fucking massive game. Uh, Austin Jones, we talked about him. 21 attempts, 120 yards. Pretty good day. Uh, X Valaday had another great day himself. Uh, Jordan Addison, of course, 11 catches, 178 yards, one touchdown uh, to beat UCLA. So, okay, cool. All right, uh, let's go on. Let's uh, let's get one question from our listeners. I want to I want to respect them, but it's getting so late. It's 12:10, and I have a flight at 6 a.m. tomorrow. So this is going to be a, a very fun night. Uh, You're bad. <laughs> uh, this is this is the only question we'll ask. I'm sorry that we didn't get to everyone, but please send them in, and we might get them on here. Uh, Greg and I might hit them on the yeah, game. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Check that out on Patreon. Um, our boy Dennis Hazlett at Vigo Carpathian says to us over Twitter DMs, he said, it's not a question, it's more something for y'all to react to. He said, quote, I have a nutty theory. If USC were five spots lower in the rankings, there would only be four other ranked teams in the Pac-12 right now. If they were if they were 10 spots lower, there would only be three ranked teams. And if they were 15 spots lower, there would only be two other ranked Pac-12 teams. Uh, in each of these scenarios, uh, the Ducks are still ranked and immune <laughs> to this, of course. So, Matt, react to that. Uh, does USC being ranked highly elevate the other ranked Pac-12 teams? No. How do I, how do I say this in the right way? Um, it, it depends. Okay. 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 So uh, non-conference is what affects your conference rankings. Like your non-conference performance elevates your schedules, elevates your, um, your win loss records. That's how you get more teams ranked. The second way that you get more teams ranked. I think I saw this from John Wilner that the top five teams have 13 losses and or 12 losses between them and 10 of them are to each other like when your good teams are the ones that are beating each other and you are beating the arizonas looking at you ucla and you're beating the colorados and the cows and the stanfords that's what elevates your records so when you're talking about well if usc was ranked lower are you saying at the same schedule and or at the same record because if they were ranked lower at the same record no i disagree Washington would be higher like that because the records are what they are. That's what elevates you. And that's what gets you higher rankings. And then as you play each other, beating a number 17 team elevates you higher. So, and then if it's that USC is lower because they're losing games, 
then once again, that means that just means that you have a one loss Washington and one loss UCLA and so on. So, um, I disagree that it impacts the overall ranking of like number of teams. Totally agree with you. Everything Matt said, uh, I think it has much more to do with how the teams performed in non-conference. Uh, maybe USC being good, like inflates teams by like maybe one or two spots, but like, I don't think it has anything to do with, uh, who's ranked. The only team that maybe it affects their ranking, like whether they're ranked or not is Oregon state, just cause Oregon state played well against them and they're a top 10 team. But outside of that, I don't really think it has any effect. Well, and I especially, like, I get the idea of this where, like, the committee ranks teams so that they can justify the higher ranked teams that they want. And it sets up, like, wins and matchups and everything. And that would be very true, except for the fact that, like, half of the teams ranked USC doesn't play. Um, And so, like, that kind of just, like, undercuts that whole idea that if they were trying to get USC in the playoff, which there's no reason for them to do that, um, that that kind of, like... that part of the logic doesn't really work. Yeah, it's that same dumb bullshit theory that uh, <laughs> that the the Pac-12 needs USC to be good in order to be considered good and get playoff appearances and all that shit. It's never been true. Uh, Oregon and Stanford were elite, elite in uh, in the early 2010s. USC was not, um, and they did just fine. They they lost the game, but that's sort of how it goes. Um, so no, I don't. I don't know that it affects the other ranked teams. I think it sort of like makes for bigger games. And I, like you, like you said, Greg, the fact that like Oregon State uh, lost close to USC. Like if USC were ranked lower, they probably don't have that uh, on their resume. Um, although Oregon State does have a bunch of other stuff on their resume. So uh, no, I don't. I, if if any Pac-12 team, pick a Pac-12 team. If it were like fucking Colorado. Uh, or Oregon State or Wazoo, who were you know ten and one right now, they'd be top six uh, with that same record, with that same sort of resume. Oregon State beating the two Mountain West teams that are at the top, um, Wazoo beating Wisconsin, uh, Washington beating Michigan State. I think all of those games are far more important than USC's mm-hmm. ranking. Are those teams at the top of the Mountain West? No, but they're are they? Boise and Fresno, I think they're gonna they're they're looking at being in the champ. They're probably oh, gonna be I the thought Fresno game. dropped a few games. Cool, good for them. They did, but they are five and one in uh in the Mountain mm-hmm. West. Good for them. Yeah, so Boise State, yeah, uh, Boise State's the leader of the Mountain, and Fresno State is the leader in the West. Wow, good, good for, good for, good for Oregon State. Hey, uh, San Diego State, right behind Fresno State, and Arizona beat them. So. Like you want to talk about some teams disservicing other teams. We talked up Oregon State too much because this this Oregon State season, like this is a really good season for Oregon State and should absolutely be celebrated. We talked them up as being potentially nine and three, ten and two as a lock, and like they still have nine and three on the table, hundred percent. Like I'm not saying that that's not there. I'm just saying that like I I feel like the people in our universe like are so anti like oh see they're not ten and two. That they're missing the forest through the mm-hmm. trees. There. They really are. They're missing the fact that that Chance Nolan turned into a potato. Like we projected Chance well, Nolan, and then he got hurt. Yeah, yeah, and got hurt. Right. Uh, and Chance Nolan just has not been has not played, and they have not had a good. We if we were to, we cannot project injuries, and there's no way we could have predicted that Chance Nolan was just going to be absent or bad for the most of the season. So, 
all predictions are null and void with quarterback injuries. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for our questions. If you have any more questions, please uh, send those in. Anyway, let's do some game predictions. All right, Greg, let's do a pick and party update. How about that? So it was a great week for four of us. Uh, me, Cam Cromwell at Wonder Man 1984. Uh, KG, of course, because he's a god at this. And Grapes. Uh, all had great weeks. Matt, it was not a good week for you. Finished dead last. One out of six. Uh, the top was four out of six. Uh you know, I, I expect better from you, but at the same time, when you disagree with me directly on four of your picks, you know, you deserve this. I went 4-0 on those. Okay, uh, but also, once again, as as I've said before, look at, like, look at what I actually lost. I was fucking right on every single one of them. I lost on the most bullshit stuff the whole time. Yeah. KG, whatever the fuck he's doing, is he cheating? Is it, What the fuck he's is this? He's just a god. He's just a god. No. He knows balls. Jesus. Start betting with him. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Shout out, KG. Uh, Absolute heater. By the way, I just looked this up. Uh, Matt said that he'd placed many, many bets on uh, Wisconsin and Michigan State both not being bowl eligible. Wisconsin, bowl eligible. Michigan State had a chance to be bowl eligible. Now they got to do it against Penn State. But uh, you were downplaying those wins against Washington State. and uh, I didn't say they wouldn't be bowl eligible, did I? I might have said they wouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that you said that about like Michigan State uh, or, or Wisconsin. I don't remember. Whatever. But either way, they aren't forget. Whatever. I just had to bring that up. Uh, speaking of being pre- prescient, uh, Matt, how about a quick standings update? Um, so yeah, I uh, came into the uh, to the week leading, tied with Greg. Um, Greg now stands alone atop the mountain at sixty-seven points. Avery is in second place at 64. Matt and Carlos at 63. Reed, who cares? Reed, who cares? Uh, all right, let's make some predictions. Rivalry Week Part 2 of the regular season finale kicks off with the Territorial Cup on Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific. Arizona State is traveling to Tucson to play Arizona. Both of these teams now officially eliminated from bowl eligibility, so this one's just for all the shit posting. We don't have lines because we're recording this at fucking midnight Pacific, so Greg, just pick a winner for us. I don't fucking care. Arizona, sure. <laughs> Matt, I'm exact opposite. Um, I am on Arizona State. I think that um, I think the old the old DTR fight on the sideline is a is a little Jane more Delora. than uh, than I want. Jaden Delora, DTR would never DTR would never <laughs> fight his teammates. He's too good for that. Yeah, he'd fight everybody <laughs> else. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Decap DTR, Decap DTR. We said it. Uh, give me Arizona. I they just their offense looks insane, and I don't think I, well, not this not this past week, but it usually looks insane. So give me give me give me the Wildcats. Uh, that same day, UCLA traveling to Berkeley to play Cal again. No lines, so let's just pick the games. Matt, start us off. Who wins? I'm picking UCLA, but good lord, wouldn't it be hilarious if <laughs> six days six days rest after an emotional loss to USC? So I don't oh, know. That's a Friday nighter. Yeah, that's a Friday nighter. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck it, you, you, fuck it, Cal. I'm not. I'm already not right. gonna win. I'll pick Cal. Greg, I'll go for the points. Oh fuck, I don't. Oh, Greg's falling asleep. Right, I'm so here tired. In front of our eyes. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's been a, it's been a rough rough day, but like, I forgot what we were talking about. I'm Did sorry. <laughs> I, I had Cal I had UCLA. an answer and I just forgot. It's UCLA, but like, I don't feel good. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you can tell you don't feel good. Yeah, uh, yeah give, <laughs> give me. I'm gonna say Cal. It's a six day, six yeah. day turnaround after an insane, an insane loss to USC to ruin their chances at everything. Oh yeah, I think that's gonna be a big letdown game. All right, let's uh, get Greg to bed. Saturday, 4:30 p.m. Pacific. Notre Dame traveling to LA to play USC for what is a massive game for USC's playoff chances. Who wins, Greg? Oh, I want to pick Notre Dame so bad. I want to, but I won't. I'm going to take USC, but I want to take Notre Dame. <laughs> oh, gosh. It was so interesting. Matt? Yeah, I'm also picking USC. I'm going USC, too. Fuck it. Uh, Pac-12 After Dark on the finale. Uh, the homophobes, BYU, travel to Palo Alto to play Stanford. Greg, who wins? <sighs> the homophobes almost lost to Utah Tech today. Uh Mm. <laughs> no, they didn't. That counts as an almost lost, okay? It was a close game okay. into the third quarter, uh, so I'm counting it. It was 52 to 26. It was a close game into the third quarter, <laughs> so I'm counting it. Uh, so, yeah. It was 42 to 6 Nobody in the third Nobody fucking quarter. asked you. No, it wasn't. <laughs> It was not. I'm looking at the. I'm looking at the whatever this is. The line by line. The oh, you mean score. the score of the third it quarter was, was 42 to six. Half. It was not 42 to six at halftime. It was 42 to six at halftime. Oh no, you're right. No, you're right. What I got the fuck right. are you talking no, 20, about? It was 28 yeah. to 28 to 20. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> anyway, okay. it shouldn't have been that close. Go Stanford. Go Trees. Trees are going to beat BYU. Okay. Uh, yeah. Give me. Give me. St- Fuck. Take them. Give me Stanford, it, whatever. I hate picking BYU. <laughs> Matt? It's it's about principles. Yeah. It's about principles. Stanford. All right. Six-day holds. Uh, we don't know the times of these games. Uh, we all know by the time this episode posts, we're going to sound like morons for not knowing the times, but whatever. Utah plays Colorado in Boulder. Can we just fucking skip this one? Does anyone actually think Colorado's going to win? Kind of. No. Okay. But well, I'm going to take wait, Utah, correct, but wait. I don't feel good. Like... Please play. You're an idiot. Please play Nate Johnson. No, 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 no. Don't play Nate Johnson because he's only got four games for the red shirt. Save, save Nate Johnson for the bowl game. Put the pick. Why would you do that? Because that's the bad one. Okay, don't do that. Do it because I would have more fun. Run against Colorado. I would have more fun. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, there'd be more. And Nate, listen. (laughs) With how we talk about Nate Johnson, he ain't gonna be here for four years anyways. Fine. It doesn't matter. Fine. Play him against Colorado. I don't care. Uh, anyway, two big rivalry games. Uh, next up, UW traveling to Pullman to play Wazoo. UW somehow still alive in the Pac-12 title race, though I think its its hopes are dimming, I think. Uh, Matt, who wins? Um, this one I actually do think is going to be like interesting and somewhat close. I am picking UW, uh, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be a three-score game. Mm, yeah, I don't think so either. I think, I think, oh my God. I'm gonna pick Wazoo. I'm I'm really curious about their defense. UW hasn't had to play a good defense at all except for against Oregon State, and they did struggle. So, give me the Cougs. I know they don't have the offense to keep up, uh, but I think they're gonna figure it out. Which would I think say a lot about uh, some some other teams' play playoff chances. But Greg, who wins? I think UW. Uh, the way they were stat padding against uh, Colorado <laughs> makes me think they'll they'll want to go for this one. Uh, and, you know, get vengeance on Delora for that flag plant last year. Uh, so even though it's in Pullman, oh, I'll yeah. take you, Dub. It's fair. All right. Uh, last one. The Platy. Oregon traveling to the graveyard to play Oregon State with a Pac-12 title game berth on the line for the Ducks. Greg, who wins? <sighs> if Oregon State wins this and if the rest of the week goes chalk, 
Utah somehow gets into the Pac-12 title game, which is fucking wild. I hate it. <laughs> oh, I hate it. I, I was so excited that after this game, I was like, oh, yay. Now Greg and I don't have to fight Utah traffic on the way down to Vegas. <laughs> and it's still alive. Yeah. Oh, The Pac-12 themselves specifically told the Utah beat reporter for the Salt Lake Tribune. At, jo- at Joshua Newman, but they, but yes, but they, he has also has claimed that they have. He's been told a bunch of other things by the Pac-12 before this. You UW, said that you by, said he was wrong. He said that he was never wrong. He was no, wrong he because he was. No, he wasn't. Yes, no, he, he was. Wasn't. He was assuming that all of the favorites were going to win. Oh, okay, sure, but like. That doesn't mean whatever. I, whatever. Right. I, who the fuck knows? Point is, I don't fucking. How, if Utah okay. beats Colorado, Oregon State beats uh, Oregon, Washington beats Wazoo, and UCLA beats Utah's Cal. Oh, if UCLA beats Cal. That's the one because Cal needs to beat UCLA in order for UW. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, right. If Cal, but if Cal beats UCLA, it's Washington then, yes. right? Yeah, right. But so Utah's oh, path God. is still easier but if than UCLA Washington beats Cal, somehow. It's Utah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, if Oregon State wins this game, Utah goes to the title game, and so I am actually going to care about this game a lot more than I thought. Doesn't matter, though. I'm still taking Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Matt? Yeah, I'm on Oregon State. Bonix is hurt. Oh, Bonix is yeah. hurt, hurt. He does but, not yeah. look good. That defensive secondary is better than what Utah puts out there. Like I no, it's love not. the Utah. Se- Shut up, Greg. Yes, it's it's Utah not. Secondary. The Utah secondary was fantastic in this game. I know, but, but Oregon, like Oregon, better. Oregon State. No, it's not. They just Oregon State better. doesn't have a Clark Phillips. There's no interception to be had. They have there. four uh, Clark Phillips. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. That, that was and a play call cry. interception. By the way, that wasn't just a Clark Phillips. That was a nasty play call. Um, Throwing to Clark Phillips is stupid in all cases. It was. But no, I I really so I think I think Oregon State is. Gonna win this game. I think we called it at the beginning of the season. We've called it in the middle of the season. And the fact that Bonix is legitimately hurt and that like he looked no better today than he did last week after the injury. I like, thought he this, did in the first half, but it this, got worse. D- yeah, a cortisol shot will do that. <laughs> um this is definitely like an injury that looks structural to me that is not going to get any better. It's just about pain management. And he doesn't look good. So I think Oregon State wins it. Yeah, give me Oregon State. This game is in Corvallis. Bo Nix is not 100%. Who knows if he ever will be for the rest of the season. Uh, I And uh, Oregon State's run game is still pretty good. Oregon's run defense? Uh, we'll see. I'm a little bit shaky on that. So, yeah, give me, give me the bees. I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to actually pull it away. So... All right. I hope y'all are right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't so believe. Funny if Utah I cannot believe it. Utah's still alive. Uh, unbelievable. I cannot believe it. Uh, USC. What, what do you? What, what do you want to see more? USC, Oregon, or USC, Utah? Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, I'm a Utah put your, fan. Put your fan brain aside for a second. Fan brain aside, uh, the best game of the year so far was Utah USC. <laughs> you don't want to see a rematch of that? Okay. We haven't seen USC Oregon. If Bonix is healthy, it's definitely yeah. That's the Oregon other thing. USC. Yeah, the Bonix health like, thing is what kills this. Because the thing is, is that like, <laughs> um, Oregon's defensive secondary, like their pass defense, they like Caleb Williams would put up six hundred yards. Yeah. Um, wow. So the I I don't actually know that I love that game if I don't feel good about Oregon's ability to keep pace. I don't feel good about Utah's ability to keep pace either, to be quite honest with you. I think USC's I think USC's about to go to the playoff, but that's fine. That's what I've wanted. It's got, it's got to be Washington then, right? 
Got to be rooting for Washington if you want you want someone. Kind of, yeah. You if, if you're kinda. gonna have a have a team to U.S. Washington might be the best chance of beating U.S. Yeah, Bonex is hurt. Yeah, because <laughs> Cam Rising's not gonna be able to do it if he's not looking 100. percent It's it's got to be Washington, uh, which is crazy, very crazy. Anyway, oh. what a fucking year, man. <laughs> what a fucking year is right. <laughs> what a fucking year. All right. Oh my God. It is 12:30 uh, midnight, and again, I have a flight at six. Which means I gotta get there at like 5.30 so let's get out of here thank you so much for listening as always please give us a 5 star review please subscribe to our Patreon at NerdTruckStops.com please send us questions to any of our Twitter accounts we appreciate you all thanks again for listening that's Greg that's Matt Avery and Maraid are not here I'm Carlos thank you for listening and remember there are no truck stops here not everyone Still and thick with smoke So thick it makes you choke The crowd falls in The coffee's kicking And my patience are wearing thin Said I'm lonelier Than a single sax On a quiet city street Things aren't always green On the sunny side of the street